0: Welcome Welcome back back to to Square Square Horror Horror. Podcast.
1: I'm going to say this over you, too. (laughs) Because I can't see your face, so I don't know the
0: welcome back thing that you do. (laughs) You just get to go off of my lovely audio.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I can't see you. I can't see the beautifully shaved face of Danny Hollander. Uh, I'm going to miss this beard. I'm going to miss that beard. Well, the funny thing about Hair Danny is that it
0: grows back. It's true. It'll be back by the time you you see me in the fall fucking months from now after this yeah. whole
1: series is over can you believe
0: that yeah after we get we're, through all nine saw movies
1: we're just starting this now and i'm already like wow by the end of summer these will be done and yeah that's weird because there seems to be a lot of work ahead of us well and
0: at least we're not trying to do what was it 13 movies and four episodes again like was we did last 13, halloween
1: or was it was it 13
0: it was it was at least in the double digits.
1: It was yeah. It was at least ten for sure. But man, yeah, it, yeah, we're not gonna. It do felt that. like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it was a lot. It also was most of the time we were super super tired. That's true. And we didn't really have a handle on like how to positively spin you know Curse of Michael Myers and Resurrection. <laughs> uh, yeah. But However, here
0: we are talking about Saw.
1: Yes, yes. However, this franchise is full of little oodles of positivity. I would say the majority of it is positive, and I I'd willing say a to lot of it. Die yeah. On that hill. yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm prepared to to get my sword and shield and die to die on this, this hill. hill. Yeah, man, absolutely. Because as I've made no secret of describing on this show before, this is my favorite horror franchise. Uh, by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say, you know, it's up there with, like, other ones that are not as slashery. Like, this is probably the last big franchise that one considers slasher just because of the, the you know, the torture. Body count? Yeah, well, the body count and also the manner of death. You know, it's still very much like a splatter horror genre. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, where Because I'm going to say it right now ups up. I don't want to use the word torture porn a lot in this because I feel like that's an easy like dismissive fallback, like, oh, that's saw, that's what this is. Because mm-hmm. that conjures up a lot of very disturbing imagery for people. And I yeah. don't want to scare people with that.
0: Yeah, I, de- I definitely know what you mean.
1: So are you ready to get into this big fucker of an episode? <laughs> Let's do it. So put okay. your
0: mindset back in... The early two thousands. In yeah, two thousand
1: four. Yeah. The war on terror is fresh, and everyone's afraid oh. of everybody. Bush just got re-elected. Are you scared? You should be. <laughs> <laughs> so Saw, written by Lee Winnell and directed by James Wan, is the first installment of the notorious thriller franchise that captured its create- that catapulted its creators into fame, redefined the world of horror, reinvigorated the genre's tired mystery trope killer, and of course, popularized torture as a form of scaring the pants off audiences. Uh, not only, though, has it become one of the staples of 21st century horror, but it's established itself as the father of numerous entries into pop culture that would have otherwise likely never existed. Danny, I'm talking like escape rooms. You know exactly the sort of. Thing I know exactly
0: I do. what you're talking about because <laughs> it's the kind of escape rooms I've always really wanted to do, but never had the opportunity to.
1: I think that's so crazy. Like, I want people to imagine. I mean, I'm sure there probably were escape type puzzle rooms like this before Saw. I'm not saying Saw like invented that, but I but don't think it they ever definitely... really got horror until no. Saw came into the picture. It as a matter of fact, it puzzle based. Yeah, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I think that some of the first like you know stake escape rooms were Saw themed. Like, I think I as the movies that. were coming out. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, several haunted houses at Fright Fest when I was growing up that were Saw-themed were just escape oh, yeah. rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, dude, if you want to go to a Saw, like, would you go to a Saw escape room? How awesome would that be?
0: I absolutely would. If they had... Tobin Bell's voice in that escape oh, shit. room. <laughs> it's one of those ones pants. where
1: they have like Chris Evans hide in like a, in like a comic book shop or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, oh, you guys <laughs> want If like Tobin Bell came out and was like, "You lost," I'd be like, "No." <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the whole looking for clues bit, like in in the room that. You know, Lawrence and Adam are like, oh, you know, they're looking at, you know, the clock is new. click That means something, you know, finding mm-hmm. keys early on that don't unlock their chains, but they unlock stuff later on. You know, the clues, like the X marks the spot, follow your heart, all that stuff. That is textbook escape room. Like, you know, when, when you're in an escape room, you're always finding shit like keys. And you're like, okay, let's try this key on every lock that we know. And, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes it unlocks something. Sometimes it's like, well... I'm sure there's a lot later that we'll have to do that with. Saw! Yeah. I, I don't want to say invented, but, like, that got in everyone's minds. It's like, this sort of thing definitely popularized all mm-hmm. of that. For sure. Um, so, it, it was considered one of the most profitable and successful horror films of all time. Obviously, it's been dethroned since then. It, yeah. The remake has, you know, kind of reigned supreme, but... Well, and this franchise
0: just, I think as a franchise, just reached over a billion dollars with Spiral.
1: Yeah, well, and it really got up there when they did the re-release. I think it was a 10-year anniversary in 2014 or 2013. That's right. Uh, And it got a bunch more money, especially because it had, you know, seven extra movies or six extra movies under it. But for a second, like, think about how much cultural impact... It has had since just the remake has come out. Yeah. Now, imagine that something completely new completely, like, changes the landscape of horror in a time where Scream was the highest grossing horror film. Like, because I was going to say, Scream is kind of the
0: last time before Saw where something had really changed the game of horror. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And And, so, yeah. And as you can tell, whenever someone changes the landscape of horror for the next like seven to eight years, all anyone wants to do is replicate that. Because obviously, Mm -hmm. after Scream, every horror movie was geared towards high school and college kids. It was pretty much all the same type of movie. That's why it had that mystery killer trope you know, I know what you did last summer and all that stuff. A lot of the times. You know, Scream did it well with an effective twist, and I think after a while it just kind of got tired and and kind of repeated. But with Saw, it reinvented that. But then unfortunately, after Saw came out, Hostel came out, and all these super gory movies came out because they're like that. People respond to that, and I'm like, I don't think people responded really to the gore. I think people responded to a dope ass screenplay. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think the scream comparison is apt because, as we talked about right before we started recording, a lot of the dialogue in this movie is <laughs> quite—I don't want to say dated, but is very um, bad. Yeah, it,
0: it's, <laughs> some of it's a little forced.
1: Danny, what what was your favorite line that you? Oh, uh, my favorite.
0: Because this, it, genuinely, anytime I think of a Saw movie, I just think of the line that Adam says at the very beginning where he just goes, my name is very
1: fucking confused. I always love when they when they find the camera and they start throwing rocks at it, Adam's like, yeah, man, you having a blast? I am. This is the most fun I've ever had without lubricant. And I'm like, what? That's <laughs> <laughs> such a weird thing to say. <laughs> But I think Scream has a lot like that where it made the... It kind of had like a Joss Whedon dialogue effect on horror where it was like, it's cool to make like, you know... make jokes. Snarky comments. And, you know, it works sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't. However, you're probably thinking to yourself, come on guys. An early 2000s horror movie with a mystery killer and red herrings that are written well enough for reasonable suspicion... That's outrageous. You're an insane person. But our goal with this series is not only to spark your interest in revisiting the franchise or starting it from the beginning. Uh, again, thank you, Spiral, for reestablishing Saw as a you know a staple of pop culture. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are now beginning to maybe be like, huh, I kind of like that Spiral. Or like, oh, that Spiral looks good, but like maybe I kind of want to watch the other movies. So... To address what makes the gears of the Root root Goldberg machine that is Saw turn so keenly and tightly is what we are really here to address. Mm -hmm. And as well as to give credence to the oftentimes dismissed and unfairly reviled, quote-unquote torture porn franchise that everybody loves to hate for pretty much no reason. For
0: pretty much just the reason that it's called... Or it's described in that way. I well, think and that I th- if people watched this first movie, because yeah. this first movie is genuinely very different. Yes. And yes. I think I think it's
1: really a standout. It really and is. I, and I really think that the... I saw a bunch of interviews like with James Wan and Lee Winnell, and they're like, what do you think about this like whole torture porn thing that, that you guys invented? And they're like, well, we didn't really set out to do that. Um we kind of just wanted to make a movie that would shock
0: people. Yeah, because uh, they didn't even plan <laughs> sequels when they f- made no. the first
1: one. As a matter of fact, kind of like Underworld, the first, like, Saw two was, uh, like, greenlit, like, within the same year as, mm-hmm. like, what, like right when they were about to release it, they're like, you guys can make another one if you wanted to. And uh, then they made Dead Silence because they were like, I don't know, I kind of want to take a break for a second. Yeah. But we will get to that with Saw, too, because then we start talking about Daryl and Bowsman. So, before we get into, you know, everything, Danny, mm-hmm. what what is the story about how you got into Saw? I'm curious, because I actually don't know this.
0: Okay, so, um, in high school, around Halloween, me and my friends would always rent a bunch of horror movies from our local library, and we would watch them on Halloween instead of doing anything else because we were those kinds of kids we stayed in and watched movies because we were fun like that
1: yeah Um, i I agree with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but so when i turned 17 i was like "Ooh, i can start getting all these r-rated movies from the library by myself and i was like i've always seen these saw boxes and i've always been intrigued to see what they are but me not being the brightest 17 year old I decided to start with Saw 2 cuz I was like this <laughs> is the, well, I thought it was the coolest cover of the DVDs so was, I was it like, the I'll one just of just start the fingers here. It's the fingers. Okay. And I was like this seems cool. So I got me and my buddies all packed in on our couch watching this movie and I was like, "Huh. This is really interesting." My friends, however, were kind of like this is this is getting a little bit much cuz my friends weren't huge into like any kind of intense death in horror movies. Some of them got a little like turned off with like cabin in the woods for being a little too gross. Really? And I was like, okay, maybe I have to continue these movies on my own. (laughs) And so then I went, got into my senior year of high school and I was going to my local half price books. And I saw a seven pack of the seven saw movies on clearance for like three bucks. So I was like, you know, I'm intrigued to finish it. So I picked it up, and I finally got around to watching all of them. And, man, are these movies a roller coaster when you marathon them.
1: I, <laughs> I put it to Elizabeth, like, that they are a crime soap opera. I call
0: it a soap opera all the time. Because yeah, it, it it's is the a, best way to describe it.
1: It is a torture, true crime soap opera. Mm-hmm. And it's just as bonkers twist wise as this soap opera, yes, um, like with the point of you know people coming back from like the dead and you know like just to All the, the point where there is yeah, yeah, just to the point where there is straight up like magic involved, that's about where it <laughs> stops, but everything before that it pretty much has everything, yeah, um so. I got into Saw when I was a kid, because I obviously, I mean, you and I grew up in the early 2000s when these movies were coming out. Mm -hmm. So I knew of them. I knew they were super intense. Every time one came out, you know, this is back in the day when, you know, like when they had like pay-per-view movie channels, um, they would have like the poster of the movie. And I've always seen all these like fucked up like posters and I'm like, oh, shit, it's a Saw movie. I know those are, like, pretty <laughs> weird. And from just the posters, I'm like, it's got something to do with, like, surgery, I yeah. think. Because <laughs> it's just a bunch of, like, body parts and, like, teeth and shit. All a bunch of, like, yeah, and, like, dirty medical equipment. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, something's up with this. And it came to a head, um, it must have been, I must have been, like, maybe eight or nine. Uh, and I was in a blockbuster. And above the... That's a the, Well, yeah. This, it was like... It was whenever Saw 4 had come out. Because um, there was a big banner above the... Uh, like, back... Above the desk of the... And I, it's not going to be the, the poster that we're going to put, like, for the episode. But I want to include it as, like, a second picture just because of how fucked up it is. And just so everyone knows what it was. But it's hmm. that, like, back... Shot of the woman in the hair trap from Saw 4 oh, wearing yeah. wearing the mask. So all I'm seeing is a woman in what looks like a weird gear shaped like wheelchair with um it's got a pig head hair, like human hair, like long human hair. It's in a red and black robe and has like thigh high, like stiletto heels on. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I had no frame of reference as to what the fuck that was. Um mm-hmm. it didn't really say anything other than Saw Four. Uh which I believe the tagline for that movie was It's a Trap, which is kinda of funny. Uh but after I got I mean obviously that was in my mind for a while, and it wasn't until I was finishing grade school, I was I had just finished eighth grade, um my brother and I borrowed them from my cousin, Steph, who's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. We borrowed all six of them, because I think they only had the first six. And okay. And we just kind of gorged through them over a break. I think it was, like, winter break or something. And then I bought the last movie and then proceeded to buy the rest of them off of Amazon. This is before the I think multi-packs? they had, like, the multipacks. But it's nice for me now, because, like, on my bookshelf and, like, where all my, like, movies are... There's just this imposing block of just Saw movies instead of one (laughs) that has like eight of them. Uh, So, I mean, I immediately fell in love with the movies also on just the pretense of the twists will blow your mind. And every single movie had twists that just got better and better. And, you know, if you're someone that can guess twists, you're going to get some of them. But not all. Well, I remember a couple years ago when we were doing Spooktober at Eric's house, I was sitting next to um, our friend Amanda, and she guessed one of the twists of Saw 2. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then she immediately was like, oh, shit. Like, I guessed it. I'm like, don't worry. There's about four more twists that you're not even going to see in this movie alone. (laughs) Yeah. So now these are not elitist horror films or movies that can't be experienced by anyone other than the most esteemed and sadistic of horror fans such as ourselves, (laughs) but rather are probably the most accessible of the horror franchises. And I know that's a ballsy statement,
0: but that is a, that's an intense statement.
1: I would say it is one of the most accessible franchises to those already on the horror adjacent fence. Now, as many people nowadays are probably aware of, true crime is sweeping the nation. There's podcasts, TV specials, TV shows, as well as a lot of movies. That's and, right. And at least personally, the type of person that may be into that sometimes might surprise you. Um, there's people like me, obviously. He'd be like, yeah, Matt obviously is into that fucked up shit. But like people like my mother who are like, have you seen this Night Stalker documentary? And I'm like, yeah, mom. <laughs> I didn't think you'd want to watch that, because it's super creepy, and it's real. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are into this true crime, you know, boom. And even, like, into stories that I'm like, you know about, like, all the fucked up shit, and they're like, yeah, yeah, and they're, like, giving me details. I'm like, oh, fuck. I guess it doesn't into bother you as much. Well, like, I assumed it would bother the fuck out of people. Yeah. Um, because I, I know I'm not normal, <laughs> but I'm like, I feel like normal people would probably re- be really bothered by that sort of thing. But that being mm-hmm. said... Again, this is something that will come up even more as we continue the franchise. Saw movies are, at their core, extremely intense crime dramas. And great ones at that.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, I mean, obviously they're a little bit more intense and a little bit more bloody than the standard, you know, criminal mind show or, you know, serial killer documentary. But Mm -hmm. they follow all of the same beats, Especially to someone who is no stranger to, you know, something like a Ted Bundy movie. Where, like, you're familiar and, and you know, you're interested in police and serial killer, like the cat and mouse game of that. Uh, but in this movie, it's a little bit more fantastical because, you know, it's like, what if the serial killer then started to hunt the police officers? Mm-hmm. So enough waiting. Let's get into the architects of the game that started it all, Danny. Ma. Have so, you heard of a man by the name of James Wan before?
0: I have, because I first I didn't recognize his name when I first watched the Saw movies, but I had been a huge fan of the Conjuring movies, mm-hmm. which were which also were made by James Wan
1: and we'll i think we're going to get into that when we cover the purge movies when we talk about the history of blumhouse. Yeah. But essentially blumhouse was started by the people that made saw and the people that made paranormal activity. They got together and were like, "Why don't we just make some crazy fucking movies?" So they made like mm-hmm. Insidious, The Conjuring. Or maybe they didn't make The Conjuring. But they like that that team of people is responsible for the new renaissance of horror because they both came to the scene at the same time and inspired by coincidentally the same sort of movies Mm -hmm. so when they got together it was like fucking lightning in a bottle because you're like we made paranormal activity which blew everybody's minds and we made saw obviously same deal so when you put them together they're like let's make some fucking intense haunting movies they will really work
0: they do and they do um, and so James Wan and his friend Lee Winnell,
1: who Both you Australian. may recognize, did
0: you know that? I did not know that.
1: I knew Lee Winnell was. I didn't know James Wan was. Yeah.
0: Well, but Lee Winnell was, recently yeah. is big for his movies Upgrade and then last year's Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss and which James was a Wan. Great w- movie.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. And James Wan, most recently, is an Aquaman and has produced Mortal Kombat, obligatory Mortal Kombat reference. That's my Check only it. one for this episode, and I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I need to mention this, but I need to do it in a way that actually re- is relevant. So, <laughs> both being Australian film students, as they finished film school, they wanted to produce and make their own movie. With inspiration from both Blair- The Blair Witch Project and Darren Aronofsky, who... I don't know if you've seen a lot of his movies, but Darren Aronofsky is known for making like fucked up psychological horror movies Mm -hmm. like Black Swan, Requiem for Dream. I Um, He's made stuff
0: I really want to see, but I've never seen.
1: And it's very divisive. Uh, We may get into some of those movies one day, but a lot of them are very just like you either like him or you don't. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like a lot of his stuff. Um, But that Blair Witch Project that, you know, also inspired the people that made Paranormal Activity. Because of its pretty much minimalist budget. It's like the first huge found footage movie and, you know, scared the fuck out of people because they thought it was real. (laughs) So they, along with their minimal budget, set their minds on a horror thriller short that would take place with two actors and just one room. And they only had $30,000 to their name, which I read and I'm like, oh yeah, only $30,000. Like, I wish I just had that much money. Mm -hmm. So they needed more money and eventually found themselves in Hollywood. Uh, And to attract potential studios, they financed a single scene that consisted of Lee Winnell playing the part of a trap victim wearing a reverse bear trap. Which was made from an actual rusty bear trap. Yeah, like that he put his mouth on. (laughs) Like, that (laughs) was was dangerous as
0: shit. (laughs)
1: He's like, "I got to make this movie <laughs> Get tetanus in his gums uh I'd say it was worth it anyway so yeah. they gave, <laughs> this gave them the the actor director duo, so Juan insisted that he direct and Lee Wennell act in it because mm-hmm. they loved the short film so much um speaking of which like they sent the the short to producer Greg Hoffman, who will come up later as an important Mm -hmm. his his stamp on on the franchise in general um who said quote my jaw hit the floor and then he immediately showed it to his two producer partners mark berg and Oren cools and just on that short they immediately founded twisted pictures which has been involved with the franchise ever since Mm -hmm. even after hoffman's death in 2005 yes which i mean he's been even with Spiral, he's been posthumously uh, credited as a producer on every single Saw movie, including Jigsaw and Spiral. Yes. Because it's Twisted Pictures. And they go on to name a character after him. My that favorite true. character, Detective Mark Hoffman, who will come <laughs> up much later. <laughs> so... And we spent some time talking about Lee Whannell before on Upgrade, but mm-hmm. you mentioned he wrote Insidious. He's in Insidious. He directed The Invisible Man. Um, James Wan and him also did Dead Silence, which one day we will cover because like, oh, we would out. love Dead Silence. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're big producers, and they really like financing very uh, – visually dynamic and different types of horror movies, which is very cool for them. Yes. So with the creators out of the way, I want to talk a bit about the cast. Uh, cause I forget sometimes how stacked the cast of the first movie is. They really it's, are. It's super bonkers.
0: Um, well, cause like right off the bat, let's start with the, one of the biggest names. Carrie Elway's is in this movie.
1: Yes, Carrie always is, is Dr. Lawrence Gordon. Uh, you probably know him from movies like The Princess Bride. Uh, he's also Mayor Klein in the third season of Stranger Things. Uh, I know you watched Marvelous Miss Maisel. Apparently, he's in that as well. Huh. Uh, yeah, he's someone named Gavin Hawk. I've never seen this show, but I knew you watched it. I was so like, I, I need to I rewatch it. it now. I mean... It, it was. It's within the last couple of years, and he's a little bit harder to recognize now, mm-hmm. just because he's a little thinner, he's a little bit older. Yeah. Also, coincidentally, the same year that Saw came out, he played Ted Bundy in uh, a movie called The River Man, which is pretty much like a real life version of Silence of the Lambs.
0: Oh my god. And he's very. He's
1: very good in that movie too. I also own that. It's fucking great. Yeah. So, <laughs> as we said before, Lee Winnell is mm-hmm. in it as well. He plays Adam, who I can never get a straight last name for him, so I just didn't include it. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Um, he has a strange career of being just kind of around movies, like like in them. Like He was mm-hmm. in uh, Aquaman for like a second just because James Wan directed it. Uh, he's also been in Insidious and made a, an appearance in The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> Which, by its title, is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. <laughs> also, Danny Glover plays Detective Tap. Now, he's a huge deal, not because he's related to Donald Glover, because he is not. Mm-hmm. It's just a coincidence. Uh, it's because he was, um, I think, Murtaugh in *Lethal Weapon*. He's one of the two cops yeah, from *Lethal he's Weapon*. Murtaugh. Okay, good. I guessed right. He's also in *Jumanji* too, like the new *Jumanji* three. Oh, it's the G3. newest one. Jumanji it's, He's Game in the Over next level. The next the level. The next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, you got the two cops in the movie is Detective Chap and Detective Sing, Sing, who's played by Ken Leong. Uh, I know him because every time I see anything, he just happens to show up in it. Uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The Sopranos, God, right. Lost. Um, he's an X-Men, The Last Stand, and The Inhumans. Okay. Uh, two unfortunate superhero properties. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Lost, uh, Michael Emerson plays Zepp Hindle. And uh, Michael Emerson, if you look at him, is a very scary-looking man. Yeah, and He's very he's very good at playing creepy characters. <laughs> uh, he plays the main antagonist in Lost. He is one of the main characters in Person of Interest. And he voiced the Joker in The Dark Knight Returns, like in, in, in the movie. Which I think I knew... When I back when I watched it, but mm-hmm. I just forgot because he's just generically very creepy. <laughs> and I sometimes yeah. forget that. Yeah, he can also be the Joker because he just transcends how fucking creepy everything gets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shawnee Smith. We're going to talk about a lot more in the next couple of movies, but she plays Amanda mm-hmm. Young. Um, just for this movie. I wanted to spotlight her because uh, apparently she only came around to playing Amanda after she watched the original short, which I now really want to see, because if I it made find a whole, it out there. <laughs> if it made a whole team of producers immediately say yes, and at least two members, two three members of the cast, like change their minds about being in a horror movie, it must be fucking really good. Hmm. Um. I also thought it was funny that uh, James Wan had a crush on her when he was a kid, Aww. and when they were like saying, "Oh, who should play Amanda?" like on, a, on a Lark, he's like I don't know you cast you know Shawnee Smith if, if you want it's not like I care or anything <laughs> uh, but yeah he had a huge crush on her um, she also during all of her scenes I mean and those scenes when you watch the movie they're pretty intense physically taxing yeah. uh, she was sick with a 104 degree fever oh through God. like most of them which I think adds to like her disheveled looking appearance I feel like not a lot of that was <laughs> <thick>. yeah <laughs> um i mean i've tried i've done shows with you know a fever and i know how fucking difficult it is i'm sure you do as well yeah um it's some of the it's one of the worst things i've ever had to do also um tobin bell tobin some guy some guy named Tobin legend uh, he's John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw. Um, he's only in this movie for a few minutes. Uh, his mm-hmm. voice is featured very heavily, and it's a very iconic voice. Yeah. So, he's had a very interesting career, um, pre-Saw. He's appeared in everything from Goodfellas to El Dorado, the animated DreamWorks movie. Wait, really? Yeah, you remember that guy that they're, like, gambling with at the beginning of the movie? And he uh-huh. accuses them of having loaded dice. That's Tobin Bell. Oh my by God! The way. <laughs> I know it's fucking weird. <laughs> um, he also played Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, a- in a TV documentary, and he's been in episodes of Seinfeld, The Sopranos, and what looks to be some dog shit Eileen Wernos documentary starring a twenty-three-year-old Disney Channel star. Huh. Which uh, I, you know.
0: Well, and, like, he just signed on for a new, like, suspense sci-fi movie with him and Tony Todd.
1: Have you heard anything else about that?
0: Not yet, that but I can't crazy. wait. It sounds amazing. It's that is going to be awesome.
1: Well, and that one idea that you and I had of it would just be, like, a retirement home of, like, all these, fa- like all these famous, like, horror actors playing themselves mm-hmm. in, like, a Tucker and Dale versus Evil fashion where like I I'm are happening and they're like come on guys like it's not funny We're you know we're we're trying to just live the rest of our lives we're like no there's horrible shit happening here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah I would really love to meet him someday just to like get a picture and you know oh, yeah tell him that tell him that I thought saw was well okay like he sings now man. His He's son does, too, love to, I think. I'd love to, like,
0: see him do a Johnny Cash
1: cover, because apparently he loves to do those. You were saying something about that with um, Spiral. Like, that was supposed to be, like, the song for Spiral, right?
0: Yeah, they thought about using a cover of Johnny Cash's Hurt as sung by Tobin Bell at the end. That I don't was, know if, like, if that was for the credits or for the end of the movie.
1: Listen, I love the 21 Savage song, but, like, That would be so fucking cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you have no idea how much I would have gotten, like, hyped if, like, they didn't say that at all. But then, like, the song started, and I'm like, who's singing this song? And, like, in the credits, it's just as sung by Tobin Bell. I'd be like, he said yes to something in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, there's special appearances by Ned Bellamy as Jeff, the guy in the chair in uh, Jigsaw's, like... Hideout. He mm-hmm. uh, he was in the Shawshank Redemption, Tenacious D, Django Unchained, The Possession, and that Paradise City show that I've been watching a lot on Prime. Okay. I don't know he just seems to be everywhere, so I thought I would spotlight him. Uh, I also wanted to say that um, the guy, uh, Mark, who burns to death in that one trap where he's just got like oh, eight yeah. things to do, mm-hmm. uh, that was casting director Amy Lippin's ex-husband. <laughs> that she That's cast amazing. to die horribly. Which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Monica Potter, who plays Allison Gordon, who's Dr. Gordon's wife. Uh, she's mm-hmm. been in Parenthood, Boston Legal, Patch Adams, and that horrible, not because it's bad, but horrible because of the subject material remake of Last House on the Left. Mm. Uh, I'd, we'll probably cover that movie one day when we're a lot more mature and yeah. uh, have you know, less... Um, It'll be a decidedly less funny episode when we cover that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk about The Room?
0: Uh, yeah, so the, most of this movie takes place in what is considered in the Saw canon as the bathroom trap, which is yeah. the, which is um, Lee Whannell's character, Adam, and Carrie Always's character, Dr. Gordon, chained by their ankles to bathroom pipes in this large seemingly decrepit public bathroom and it was all shot in chronological order over two weeks which which that must have been an experience to go through. dirty
1: very dirty kind of like those stories about they when they talk about um how they filmed texas chainsaw massacre Mm -hmm. where like they never showered they never washed their clothes so they're just always covered in like Grime and sweat and fake blood and it just reeks. Yeah, that bathroom probably smells horrible. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely.
1: Um, <laughs> that I I don't know if it's the same room. I'm gonna have to do research. Uh, for two and uh, it's not seven. It's not the same room.
0: They had to recreate it because originally they didn't think they were making sequels. Of course. And what's actually kind of funny is in some of the later sequels. Um, because they had done a really good job recreating it, they bought the bathroom set off of the people who made Scary Movie 4 right, to use okay. it in later movies and then <laughs> fixed it a little bit more.
1: Is that why in like Saw 2 there's inexplicably like urinals in it now? Yep. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like there wasn't urinals in there before <laughs> i mean and i mean all the plot holes i mean we'll we'll talk about it more with the later movies and especially when we get to like jigsaw but um yeah. I, there's really not a lot of plot holes in this movie that haven't already been pre-thought out or explained later mm-hmm. and all the ones that i can see are just like nitpicky stuff that like i could again suspend reasonable doubt that yeah maybe there were urinals and like they were just against the wall that the windows were on. I I don't know. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. To me. <laughs> um so the music is Yeah, I'll okay, let you cover I the guess. music. I guess it's I guess it's okay, right? Would you say it's just kinda fine. Don't even
0: joke about this. I love the score.
1: <laughs> Charlie Closer is a god among men and he <laughs> deserves all the awards and accolades that he could ever dream of. So Charlie Closer did the music for all of the Saw movies, I had no idea that he was a former member of Nine Inch Nails. Really, I actually knew he that. Was and thought key- you figured it out. He was the keyboardist, like while they were touring Downward Spiral. Like he was a mm-hmm. considerable, like member of the band for a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so I—that's definitely where his like industrial synth sound comes from. Uh, as a producer, he's worked with David Bowie, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. He scored Resident Evil Extinction, as we talked about on that series. Mm-hmm. Also, The Collection and Dead Silence. Dead Silence being probably my favorite horror movie theme, aside from things from It Follows, Candyman, and This. Yeah. Uh, and he did two of those four. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he did the whole score in just three weeks.
0: I, I wish I had that kind of talent.
1: I, I don't... These music people sometimes, I have no idea how they just... Are, they just rule. Yeah. So his now iconic theme, Hello, Zep, and the rest of his soundtrack from Saw, uh, combined, it combines brutal electronic and homemade bowed metal instruments, uh, and they say, with tortured orchestral washes... Um, so essentially, he just banged a bunch of metal pieces in a factory together, and then mm-hmm. mixed it with electronic music, which is exactly what Saw is. Yeah, like, if you were to put it into a sound, that's exactly what that is. Um, my favorite track name of all of the first movie is "Fuck This Shit," which plays <laughs> after Lawrence screams "Fuck This Shit." Uh, And I would love if we could go out on that for this episode.
0: (laughs) That can be arranged. (laughs) Fantastic.
1: Speaking of weird things that are definitely saw in a nutshell, the editing and the pacing. Yes. Uh, The way these movies, especially the later ones, are edited are shattered. It's a very – there was a term for it when I was looking it up, but I don't remember – I don't think I wrote it down. But the way they shoot is – Uh, not chronologically, and it's Mm -hmm. in, like, a reverse narrative. Um, Not like Memento, but it's in the sense of you see a lot of, like, it's a lot of, like, one step forward, three steps back and to the side. So you're getting a lot of the given circumstances fleshed out over the course of the movie to the point where, like all the best movies with great twists in them, once you've seen it the first time, everything on the second watch through makes sense, which has always Mm -hmm. been my marker of a good twist is if you can watch the entire movie having already seen it and the movie only makes more sense and gets better. That's a good twist. Yeah. I won't name names. There's some very popular movies that I have big problems with that I feel like they just tacked on a twist ending to make it a twist ending and if that's the case, just rewrite the movie. If you thought of the twist later, just rewrite shit to make it work. It's super easy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. Anyway, David A. Armstrong is the director of photography, so he, like, invented that style for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um. He did every Saw movie from the first through the sixth. Uh. So you can thank him for the filters, the crazy transitions, and the, like, super sharp, like, editing tools that he uses mm-hmm. he's also done the most recent hellraiser movie i believe that came out in 2018 uh, okay. he also did a heroes webisode series
0: <laughs> near and dear to our hearts
1: i've seen this one uh it's not very good but Whoa. i can tell you that it's edited very well <laughs> <laughs> uh so with all that stuff out of the way let's talk this movie let let's talk get this into this. Through, man. You got some stuff? You got some notes you wanna you wanna talk about?
0: Uh yeah. So basically in in the grand scheme of things, this whole movie is the idea of this franchise just scaled down. Because yeah. basically after the success of this movie, all of the movies involve being thrown into an environment and just trying to survive and learning how, why who's involved, why they're connected, how they're connected, and it makes you think you have all the answers, but then it pulls the rug out from under you and reveals you have none of the answers.
1: If I may go off on one of my very famous bad metaphors, please, in tree-saw fashion, imagine you are a child thrown into the deep end of a pool and you are told that the water wings that will save you from drowning are at the bottom of the pool. So after you... Muster up the courage and the will to survive, wink, 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 to swim down to the bottom, get those water wings, and you're like, fuck, I gotta, like, you know, inflate them and stuff. So you're like, okay, you know, I can do this, I can do this. And as soon as you start inflating them, the room sets on fire. You're like, <laughs> shit, what? Okay, damn it. And you're like, you're looking for a lifeguard, and you're like, help, help, please, help. And the lifeguard comes out, and it's your father. <clears throat> That's... so <sauce. laughs> <laughs> We're like, what? And before you can even do anything, the lights go out and the movie's over. And you're like, what? And then they make four more of those. Yep. That's not me ripping on it. That's me, like, legitimately saying how it feels to watch those movies. I love your metaphors so (laughs) much. I'm getting better at them, I promise. (laughs) I did not get a bachelor's in English, I will tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Speaking of getting thrown into the deep end, what I think is a fun thing, it also harkens back to just the time that these movies were made. When someone wakes up in a trap, as they, the police begin to call them, and what Jigsaw refers to as his quote-unquote games, they find themselves in a, a room. that They have no idea how they got there. Uh, they're strapped to something normally that seems very dangerous. Um, There's a whole bunch of shit around them, and there's normally a TV screen or a tape recorder. Because, again, it was 2004. Because 2004. So there is a tape deck or a TV that will turn on, and if it's a tape deck, it will say, Hello, your name, uh, followed by, I want to play a game. And then Jigsaw, the voice on the recorder, proceeds to tell you how he believes you have fucked up in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, normally centering around how he doesn't feel that you've either just been a dirtbag or you've kind of squandered a lot of shit that he feels that you no longer lack the will to survive. You you lack that survival instinct, that key Mm -hmm. piece of the human puzzle. And then he describes the trap that you're in and how to survive. He gives you the rules of the game. Upon hearing those rules, he gives you the ultimatum, live or die. The choice is yours. And then you usually have some sometimes very short amount of time to some kind of timer. Yeah, you have like you have a minute to do all this complicated shit and you're like, oh fuck. Uh but just the first time he says hello, like on that tape recorder. It's just so chilling, and it's never going to not be awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially with Amanda's trap where it's the TV screen and you see the puppet. You're like, what yeah. the fuck is that all about? Uh, we'll get to the puppet in a bit, but the puppet is fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, Kelly would second, not be happy. Yeah, second only, at least personally, to the puppet from Spiral, which is you legitimately... You like Mr. Night- Snuggles? I don't like his name. I don't like his big <laughs> fuck-off pig face. I don't like the fact that he's a marionette. And I don't like the weird laugh that it has. The Billy yeah. laugh is creepy, but it could be creepier. And Mr. Snuggles does a creepier one. Yeah, and I really don't appreciate true. it. Um, The way that Lawrence looks at the hacksaws once he pulls them out of the, the toilet, I also mm-hmm. think is just super iconic. Because there's also that sound effect that, like, scrape, that, like, metal scraping noise that, like, always happens whenever they, like, see a saw. They do the same thing in Spiral, and now I just really want to, like, have a scene of me looking, like, terrified at a hacksaw. You're like, oh no. Oh my god. Uh, I didn't know that hacksaws are, uh, designed to cut through metal. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like for the longest time, I'm like, yeah, they're not gonna cut through metal because it's a saw. Saws (laughs) cut through wood. And then as I was looking (laughs) it up, I'm like, oh, you mean they're designed specifically to cut through (laughs) metal? Um, but granted, those saws are very, very old, very rusted, and very dull. They Mm -hmm. were put there specifically so that they could not cut through the chains. But he doesn't want us to cut through
0: chains. He wants us to cut through our
1: feet. You're like what the fuck? Like, maim Mm. yourself? That's crazy. Um, And I think that's also the first time that that's really been... You know, there's been movies, obviously, where serial killers have captured people, but to put them in a situation where they deliberately need to maim themselves, but the the point of their capture is not to kill them, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, something that they can do will hurt them, or, like, prove to be some great difficulty, but not only is doable, but also survivable. Yeah. Which is interesting when you ponder, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say that Jigsaw's never killed anybody, but the thesis of his... Well, who cares? The thesis of his traps (laughs) are that they are designed to be winnable. Mm -hmm. That is his entire thing. And if someone were to fail... He then post mortem cuts a small jigsaw shaped piece of flesh from somewhere on their body to symbolize that they are missing a vital piece of the human puzzle. And in his words, it's the will to live. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I mean. And the cops misinterpret the message, obviously, so they call him the jigsaw killer, which is horrifying. (laughs) But a dope name. It's the best serial killer name next to the Night Stalker because yeah. you've somehow made a scary person even scarier. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what I think is cool is that up until Saw Five, he never calls himself Jigsaw. Like that's, that's not right. something that he refers to. He only and he only tells someone that when he says, "I'm the one you know is Jigsaw." Yeah, because like, that's, not that's a in Saw Two. He's like,
0: "You guys called me that."
1: I thought he said it in five. He probably he does too. <laughs> he probably did in both. Um, yeah, that's. I think the reason, and I don't really want to talk a lot about John Kramer a lot in this episode. Because he's not in this a, one a whole lot. No, and because we only really get to know the reasons for why he does what he does in the second movie. So yeah. I will save that for that movie and to spread it out over the next six movies. Yeah. <laughs> um. I kind of mentioned before, the first movie seems to be the only one that's, like, truly nitpicky, like, plot hole-wise. But, again, all of that can be dismissed out of suspension of disbelief. I think people that make a living or make a column living off of just poking holes in movies Mm -hmm. kind of suck. Like, I'm really not fans of people that are just like, isn't this weird how they do this? And they're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. And I'm like, yeah, it's a movie. Fucking yeah. of course it's not going to. It only has to make as much sense as you're willing to believe. But if you go into movies ready to rip them apart for how not real life they are, you're just going to not enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: You think someone's going to go watch, like, yeah, like fucking Roger Rebert did with, with Friday the 13th. He just ripped apart how, like, schlocky it was. I'm like, yeah, it's about an immortal killer who murders teenagers at a at a camp. At, at not, a camp. It's not real, Roger. It's not fucking winning Oscars. It's not trying yeah. to. It's just trying to entertain people. Yeah. It's okay. Um But I, I think again, I, I don't wanna sound biased just because I love these movies, but they really do go to like extreme lengths to make sure that every question you have is answered. Within reasonable like amounts. Like the only question I remember Elizabeth having when we watched it, was like, well, where did Lawrence's family go? And, I mean, I would just assume, like, they just kind of went about their lives after what happened. Again, mm-hmm. we're not going to spoil the movie until we give a very specific spoiler warning. Yeah. Um, but just in, in a general sense, you know, almost every single question I could fathomably come up with is answered in some movie or another. Um, mm-hmm. To a certain extent, but we'll talk about that much much later.
0: Much later. <laughs>
1: um, what do you think about? I mean, nitpicky type stuff. I mean, do you even have anything that bothers you? I mean, in that one, not really, because theoretically it's
0: pretty tight. Because this isn't one of the ones where like Jigsaw's got a lot of a th- lot of things roaming about. He's got a lot he's, of
1: cooks in the kitchen.
0: He's got a few things going, and they all they all reasonably could happen. With any extent of human interference. Because none of these are like, it has to happen perfectly or else it can't happen at all. No, these are just two dudes in a bathroom.
1: It's a guy covered in jelly. Well, he even has a line in the later movie that is all the explanation I needed where he's just like, I'm good at at predicting human behavior because Mm -hmm. I just know my subjects very well. And I'm like, that's all the explanation that I would ever need. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, let's talk about Billy. Let's do it. So, (laughs) Billy, as I'm sure everyone in the world would know, at least in America, would know if they saw it, is that creepy puppet from the Saw movies. It's Mm -hmm. got a white face, it's got a mouth that moves only up and down, and it's got red spirals on its cheeks. And you probably see it oftentimes in a suit riding a tricycle. Yep. Which only happens once until Jigsaw, and it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. It's the scariest scene, personally, in that first movie. <laughs> but um, they never, they never call it Billy in the movies. It was only until a couple of years after I finished the movies I realized that that's what people called it. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was just the on-set name for it, and then it stuck. Um, yeah. James Wan built the goddamn puppet himself from scratch
0: that That's commitment right then and there,
1: according to one, the construction of Billy the puppet's face for the first movie involved clay, paper mache, and black ping pong balls with the irises painted in for the eyes, which is great uh. because in the later movies, when we see John building the puppet, it looks like that's exactly what he did to build it like it it mm-hmm. sounds like something that someone could reasonably build themselves and to make it move the puppeteers pulled him along on fishing line, which again, looks exactly like how they do it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's stuffed with paper towel rolls. <laughs> Amazing. So, it manages to be terrifying, while probably costing a grand total of $15 to build. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a bunch more, because no- they that article that I found that from goes into great detail with how they built it in the rest of the movies. Like, they made it more and more, like, modern-looking. Mm-hmm. So, as we get to those movies, I will say how they've updated it, especially because it starts moving on its own, which is very scary. Don't but like again, that. They, they have a reason for, like, it's not haunted. Like, it, they just put motors in it now. And mm-hmm. I'm like, John builds elaborate death traps. I'm sure he could put a motor in a fucking puppet. Yeah. Um, speaking of elaborate death traps, the reverse bear trap, I would like to spend some time talking about. That I love that trap. And that's, so, that's the trap that
0: I think is most synonymous with this franchise.
1: It is. And I think that it's for pretty good reason. Because uh, until you corrected me before we started recording, uh, it's essentially, okay, Danny, it's essentially <laughs> the first trap that anyone ever wins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely the first one that we see. Someone winning. Um, and obviously, as we talked about, with it was the first trap they ever shot. It's a very special trap to the creator and, and the Saw universe in general. Um, but just the name, a reverse bear trap, that's a very intense and ominous sounding thing. It's a bear trap. You know, people think of those big spiky things that when you step on them, they clamp shut. They're mm-hmm. like, what's a reverse bear trap? And John goes to great lengths to show you.
0: because oh, yeah, this is the it, first
1: it, time it, that John shows
0: how it, things are going to happen in a, in a description of a trap. He shows yeah. the reverse bear trap on a mannequin head.
1: Although, what's funny, though, is the mannequin head just kind of explodes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't really know what... Okay, so, again, spoilers out of the way. We don't see the reverse bear trap actually do something to somebody. For many movies. Mm -hmm. But don't get us wrong, eventually you will see what it does to somebody, and it's fucking gnarly.
0: It's nasty. And it's
1: exactly what you probably imagine a reverse bear trap would do. So if you're having trouble imagining this, um, this comes from, I think, probably my favorite scene in the movie where it's Amanda's trap. She's explaining to the police, you know, what happened to her. She's talking through her experience. She says she woke up in this chair with this thing on her head. All she tasted was blood. And Mm -hmm. she saw this screen with the puppet, and it was explaining the rules to her, um, and it described that there's only one key to unlock the device on her, and it's in the stomach of her dead cellmate, who is lying unconscious, or dead, on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know that guy is played by uh, Oren Cools, who's one of the three producers that I mentioned? Is he really? Yeah, it's fucking so funny. (laughs) I love that. Um, So... As Amanda is describing what's happening to her, she's, you know, the editing is fucking crazy. She's losing her mind, and she stands up, and the timer starts, and she starts freaking out. The whole scene is very intense, and, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say it's a spoiler that we told you she lives, because it's very important, because they bring her into a cop, like, in in a police interrogation room to explain how she survived. So you already know she survived. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it would be very thrilling as an audience member to be like, oh, fuck, is she going to like live? Is she going to die? And one of my favorite scenes, and it's actually my favorite line of dialogue that, that Jigsaw ever says, <clears throat> and I think it's very indicative of why I think this trap is also super important, because it also gives you the first and simplest form of why Jigsaw does what he does. And it's after Amanda has unlocked the device with seconds to spare before it snaps open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have permanently ripped her jaw open, uh, pretty much up to where yeah. her eyebrows are. Um, and as she stands there, you know, crying and panting, Billy shows up on a tricycle, wheels into the room, and simply says, Congratulations, you are still alive. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive, but not you. Not anymore. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, th- this is before anyone knew why this guy did it what he did. It's before we knew fucking anything about him. And it's the, f- the first time we know anything about him is in that first trap. And it's, mm-hmm. in, the, it's in the iconic trap where it's proved to me that you have what it takes to survive. That you cherished your life enough. That you would do anything to survive. And I will deem you worthy of the life that you now have earned.
0: Yeah. Fuck.
1: Uh, Jigsaw's cultist robe is fucking terrifying.
0: <laughs> it's so cool. I I I want one. I think it'd be stylish. Oh, I, I as do hell. too.
1: Well, apparently the robe was just inside out. Which I'm like, fucking of course, of course, that. a robe still looks just as awesome. But you know, we 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 only see Jigsaw. I mean, he's hooded, obviously. When mm-hmm. we see him, when the detectives come to infiltrate that mannequin factory, and yeah. yeah, you heard it right, he lives and works in a abandoned mannequin factory. That's typical serial killer now, but back then they're like, oh shit, like that, works. That's creepy. Um, but that's also the first time we see you know. The red robe with the pig mask on when he kidnaps Lawrence. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not just a pig mask. It's not like the one that's in Spiral where it's just a pig. It's a pig mask. It's a pig head hollowed out on the inside with long black human hair attached to it.
0: Don't like it. Don't like it. It's,
1: it's, it's like, if you've never seen it before, it takes you a couple of seconds to figure out what you're looking at. And Mm -hmm. I think that's perfect because in the couple of seconds the victims realize they're being abducted, all they see is that. So they're completely filmed with confusion to the point where if they wake up somewhere else, the last thing they may remember is that. And they might just chalk that up to, you know, hallucinations or dreams. Because Mm -hmm. it's so crazy to describe, let alone to see it coming at you. Or crawl out of the backseat of your car which is fucking creepy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, speaking of the pig head, um, one of my other favorite scenes is uh, Adam's abduction. So after he's gone back to his apartment to develop the photos that he has been hired to take, uh, he wakes up, his power has been cut, and he knows someone is in his apartment, and the only light that he has is the flash of his camera. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like this trope has been done several times... It has only scared me twice. One is in the movie Mama. Mm, but yeah. instead of a pig mask thing, it was a horribly bent ghost woman. And the other one is this. And I knew what was coming. Like, this is probably the hundredth time I've seen Saw. And watching it in my basement in the middle of the night, I'm like, just jump out. Like, spoilers. I said the name. Like, just jump out, X. X. Please just do it. I just don't want to see. I don't want this anymore, man. Just ugh. Yeah. please just just <laughs> kidnap him already. God damn it, um, Danny. What are some of your favorite scenes? Give me like two, two or three.
0: Um, so I think one of my favorite scenes, which um you also have mentioned on here, is um when Gordon first finds the phone in the I'm glad bathroom, you this one. <laughs> which can only receive calls. It can't give calls, which I don't know is if that's a real thing in real life, but I don't care. No, yeah, it made the yeah, plot it's interesting. A, uh,
1: I'm sh- it's some technology thing, especially again. Mm-hmm. This is early two thousands. Cell phones could be made to do. That's how they, uh Al Qaeda did a lot of cell phone bombings. Is they would have cell phones that could only receive calls. They would detonate explosives. Mm-hmm. And so, Gordon's family
0: has been taken hostage. And one of the times when he gets a phone call, all that the person on the other end says is don't believe Adam's lies,
1: and then they hang up. It's so scary because it's the first time he's heard from his wife, and the first thing she tells him is, is Adam there? And he's like, wait, wait, hold the fuck up. How do you know about this? And before he could even formulate his thoughts, that she tells him that the phone line goes dead, and you're like, oh, Mm. shit. Like, Mm. that just, to me, that kind of just, Increases that like escape room aesthetic where, like, you're just given a cryptic one sentence clue and that's it. Yeah. You know, like, it's up to you to suss out what that means. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I also yeah.
0: love l- a little later on when um, Sing and Tap are at the mannequin factory <laughs> and they yeah. experience some of the like. Home alone style if, home, I would if say Macaulay Culkin <laughs> was a serial killer.
1: I would say Wiley e. Coyote type tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. But yeah,
0: it gets it gets intense in there. And I don't yeah. want to say too much, but there's a tripwire yes. and oh lordy, is it is it a bad idea?
1: It's worse than whatever you're probably thinking, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like it's way worse than what you're probably like not gore wise but just like concept wise yeah
0: what it actually, what it is
1: i'd say it could only be worse if it like released a pack of cougars or something i don't know yeah Oof. which would be cool uh real quick i want to mention the right before we get into spoiler territory this is one of the last things that i'll say um after A lot of time has passed. The tensions have run high. Lawrence has completely lost his grip on sanity and is just screaming, yanking at his chain, reaching desperately for the phone because he knows his wife is in danger. His wife and daughter are in danger. Mm -hmm. And that whole scene is just so visceral. And for all of the shit that I gave the actors and the writing... Up until then, all of these superhuman, like raw moments really make the movie. They really, they really do. show you how real someone is when they're do- fighting for their very survival. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes into the uh, only scene that I would ever label as possible torture porn. Um, so from here on out. Spoiler warning. Yeah, we're going ahead. to be spoiling this movie. Uh I really hope that so far it has inspired you to see these movies. All of them with the exception of Sp- of uh, not spiral. Um Jigsaw are all on HBO Max. Um I also own all of them. You can probably mm-hmm. pick up all of the movies I I think there's an eight-pack
0: at Walmart for, like, 15 bucks these days. I mean,
1: I've seen packs of, like, the seven go for, like, $10 at, like, half price books and shit. Mm -hmm. Because, I don't know. I I just, maybe if not by this movie, but once we start getting into the story, you know, I'm hoping that that would inspire someone to go watch these movies. But if you are someone that wants to know it all before you see it, especially with a movie franchise as notorious as this... We're going to start spoiling the movie. Mm-hmm. So they are given the ultimatum. They have to cut off their own feet in order to escape. And Lawrence does that. Yep. And that whole scene is the only, I always mean, sitting there like, oh, this is what they mean when they say torture porn. Cause it's just him screaming, cutting his foot off and Adam being like, no, stop. No, no, no. And I'm like, I could see how that could be torture porn. Well, and because
0: they really don't show anything in terms of, like, gore for it, I think it could be. Because then it's just the idea of it rather than actually anything.
1: I would say most of the traps in the franchise, I mean, yeah, later on they do have the budget to show a lot of that with, like, visual effects. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the traps are more just, like... You get that pit where you're like you crossed your legs like ooh, ooh like yeah like just that it like that image you're like oh shit that's like intense. Mhm. Um but like cutting your own foot off with a I, hacksaw. I don't think I could do it. I mean I might. I don't know. Again like that's one of like as saw traps go I I think that's a little bit more on the winnable side. Like more not the winnable more like the doable side. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I mean, I might be crazy. I think that the beginning trap from Saw 2 is doable. Like, I would do that. Yeah. 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 Doped up on adrenaline. I'd cut my eye out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say that, and we talked about this before, but right after that quote unquote torture porn scene, it's Lawrence's, after he shoots Adam, mm-hmm. he has this super emotional breakdown begging to see his to have him see his family now now that he has done what he has been asked to do. Mhm. And I think that juxtaposes very well with a super intense scene like that because it's like yeah 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 it's it's violent it's gory but it's for a reason. The same thing went with that with you know Amanda when she was cutting out that guy's stomach for the key. As mm-hmm. soon as she had it off she had a solid beat to like recover and you, you, We watched V Vendetta, right? Yeah. You remember that scene? I, I could be totally alienating viewers, but remember that scene where uh, after V has tortured Natalie Portman for, like, months, and he's revealed that it's all a lie, and he brings her mm. to the top of the building in a thunderstorm, and she just, like, screams triumphantly in the air? Yeah. That's exactly the type of, like, response that I think these are going for. Like... You survived, and you feel that like primal sense of being alive mixed with like you've overcome something that should have killed you
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um yeah, it's just like hopefully we never feel that way, but God, like it's gotta no. feel so like you know like it's like anytime anyone kills Leatherface, like Michael Myers, they have that same like yeah! like they just like. All of it comes out in one giant like scream, mm-hmm. and you're like, "All right, now I've done it." Um, what I thought was interesting that I saw on, of all places, an IMDb trivia board. Hey, um, as Lawrence is loading the cartridge into the revolver to shoot Adam, the the gun that had been laying on the floor. Yeah, we didn't mention this. They wake up in the room with a person that has shot themselves in the head on the middle of the floor, mm-hmm. holding the recorder and the gun. And he's just been there the, the whole time.
0: time. Six hours, I think it was?
1: Yeah. Um. And jumping ahead, do you know Tobin Bell actually did that? I saw that, and that's nuts. Like it, it was never a mannequin. It was always him. <laughs> uh... And we're going to get to that reveal in a second, but according to him, he says, like, on getting the, the, the role, uh, upon reading the script and being shocked by the ending, he said he would do the movie just, quote, for that moment alone.
0: That's, I respect that. That's like, commitment fuck. to that shit.
1: I Yeah, like, I totally get that. Um, But anyway, so he grabs that gun that, I guess we can say it right now. The man on the floor is not dead. The yes. man on the floor is Jigsaw. He's the person that put them there. And in an awesome Saw montage that we'll talk more about in the next movies, where they show you every single time that, like, they answer a question. Because mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, he likes to book himself, like, front row seats to his games. And they just show a scene of him, like, creaking open an eye on the floor, like, watching Adam. And I'm like, ugh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so because he did not kill himself the gun I think it was a prop thing initially like people chalked it up to like a prop goof mm-hmm. but the camera shows all six chambers of the cylinder are empty when um, Lawrence is loading the, the one bullet into the gun mm-hmm. and revolvers don't eject spent cartridges so if you were to shoot yourself in the head with a revolver the cartridge would still be in there until you opened up that little turny thing and, like, yeah. dumped it out. So, if someone looked at that revolver, they would know that that person did not shoot themselves in the head with that gun and probably, mm-hmm. therefore, isn't dead. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people will think that was a prop error, but it's actually purposefully done. Mm-hmm. Like, they purposefully were like, there's no bullets in the gun because he never used it. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. So um, cool. So I think that's a good segue to get into the um, where the twists start. Mm-hmm. So after it has been revealed that Zepp Hindle, who worked with Lawrence at the hospital he was a doctor at, after it's revealed that he is the one kind of orchestrating their situation in the bathroom, and he's the one holding Lawrence's family captive, after he shows up to kill them because they have failed their objective, Adam begs him to not kill him, and he says, I have to. It's the rules. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, once Adam gets the drop on him and beats him to death with a... With a toilet lid. With a toilet lid, uh, (laughs) which is just fucking so funny like just him beating him with a toilet lid is just it's fucking so like satisfying Mm -hmm. he's looking over you know his pockets for a key you know anything and he finds a tape recorder that jigsaw the real killer that everyone at this point had assumed zap was the jigsaw killer but just proved that he was yet another person in a game involved in the game And it was Jigsaw saying, you know, I've poisoned you, I think.
0: Yeah, and And, there's a slow-acting poison. Yeah,
1: and in order to get the antidote from me, you have to do this game. And then he gives him the rules and whatnot, obviously, like, what he has to do. Mm -hmm. And as Adam is reeling from that response, in the background, we see the man on the floor stand up and pull the fake wound... Off, off of his, of his head, head and tell Adam the keys to his shackles are in the bathtub. And he's like, Oh fuck. I like pulled the drain and the key went down the drain. I'm, I'm fucked. Like I'm stuck here. And in that whole thing is where saw has its, I would say famous ending yes. montages where it gives you every single answer to every like lead up question in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's always my favorite part of every Saw movie because it just, like, watching it with people, like, that have never seen the movies before, you just see their draw drop lower and lower and lower, and they're all like, oh, shit. And the movie ends at the end of that montage with John Jigsaw getting out of the room and Adam screaming as he says, game over, and shuts the door into blackness where Mm -hmm. the credits begin. Well, and the there's just begin not a... <sighs> while he's still screaming. There's just not a better way to end those movies than with like a not only a game over that's like symbolic, but a door slam. But like just well, just the like you just we just gave you all the answers and have blown your mind. Now it's over. Like mm-hmm. go leave, go back to your life with that shit like in your head. Yeah. And Saw is perfect for that. That is what I've come to expect from Saw movies. Growing up, at least, was, I'm gonna be watching this movie. I'm gonna think I know what's going on, but I'm always gonna be like, completely blindsided by something else I hadn't even considered. Even if it's not a great twist, even if it's just a crazy twist with the story, you know, that's like, oh shit! Now this is the thing for the next movie. This is what the movie's probably gonna be about. That's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I I love that so much. There's just nothing. So I wrote. I literally wrote down. There ain't nothing like a Saw montage. <laughs> yeah, there really isn't. Um, do you have any last request, like, not requests, <laughs> any <laughs> last words about this? Or should we leave the listeners much like how Saw leaves people with the montage and then the game over?
0: I mean, yeah, there's not really Look much else to say. There's just, it's, it's a really solid movie with a lot of really interesting character beats, which I think is something everyone forgets about in these horror movies, is that they do delve into these characters' relationships with each other. And specifically with Adam and Dr. Gordon, when, ni- when Dr. Gordon never knew that Adam was around, but Adam saw way more of Gordon's life than he expected. Yeah. And I just think and- it's a really interesting character piece.
1: Well, and not only that, but we see why these two men specifically were chosen. I mean, mm-hmm. Dr. Gordon is a very famous oncologist, a, a cancer doctor, um, who was operating on a patient who had a frontal lobe tumor that had started mm-hmm. out as colon cancer. So this patient was dying of cancer, and as we see from the montage, that patient turned out to be Jigsaw. Yeah. So we get another like little glimpse into his life that this person is dying from cancer, uh, in that mon- in that scene where he's at in the the mannequin factory, he tells the detectives he's you know he 's sick yeah he 's sick with you know because of the the sickness that 's eating away at him he 's sick of people not appreciating what they have like we're getting these little glimpses of why he 's doing this mm-hmm. without it being like what the whole movie is about, and like kind of stampeding over this trap where we 're following these two men. Yeah. It's not until later when, when John becomes a main character that that is okay to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, as, as, you know, a little bit of a Easter egg for, for later episodes, you know, Dr. Gordon, the last time we see him, is he's leaving crawling, the bathroom, crawling out of the bathroom, leaving a trail of blood where his foot used to be, and he said he was going to come back with help. Mm-hmm. That is the last time that we see Dr. Gordon for many, many movies. All I will say is that he does come back and uh, it will be in ways. I mean, not only him, but everybody. Whenever you see someone in a movie, they're never going to go the way you expect. Everyone is interesting. That's all I will say. (laughs) (laughs) Um although I, I i didn't get a chance to talk to you about this this is, the episode is now over but like i didn't get a chance to talk to you about this but that side work piece we were thinking about doing with the with the podcast to not bog everybody down with just saw mm-hmm. um i i guess this is also for the listeners um just because we're going to be doing saw for the next um eight, several weeks we also want to do um little mini episodes more like bonus episodes that are not about saw but they're just about, about other each of us. Yeah, they're just about what each of us are doing, like horror wise. Like what else other shit are we talking about? Um I mean like uh Conjuring Three just came out. Um yeah. I really I really want to talk about Army of the Dead on Netflix, Zack Snyder's um zombie movie. I'd love to talk mm-hmm. about that. Um you and I saw A Quiet Place Part two. So like there's plenty of things that we can cover in like Maybe like 20 to 30 minute episodes in between each Saw episode to just keep people yeah. sane.
0: <laughs> yeah, so no one gets bogged down by just um, a summer of Saw.
1: Yeah, like if you are sick of Saw, we've got other shit to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, it's... uh. I'm finally glad we got to cover Saw. And as you could tell, I was very excited and uh, maybe a little too prepared for it. Yeah. (laughs) Just wait till we cover The Purge. Oh,
0: gosh. I'm not ready for when we cover The Purge.
1: I don't think I am either. But you can follow (laughs) us on Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast.
0: You can send us requests at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And again, please contact us if you have requests, if you just want to talk to us about horror movies that you've seen, ask opinions on stuff, or, you know, if anything that we've said has made you want to start watching any of these movies, especially Saw, like, reach out to us. We love these movies so much. We Mm -hmm. will talk to you for as long as you want to talk to them. We're just trying to keep these episodes under eight hours long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So y'all take care. We will be back hopefully next week. Wi-Fi permitting on your end, I'm sure. Wi-Fi permitting. (laughs) Wi-Fi permitting. But we will definitely be back with a little mini-sode sometime probably this week. Um, But yeah, y'all, you have a line here, Danny.
0: Until next time, stay spooky out there. And game over.